first, let me tell you about Good Ranchers. Um, America is, uh, is under siege right now, and our food systems are under siege. The idea of the World Economic Forum is to change the way we grow our food, what we eat, uh, our traditions, our history. And our ranchers and farmers are in trouble right now. I want to make sure that you have a way to get right directly to the ranchers, to get American beef. Uh, and you could do that by going to goodranchers.com slash Glenn. You go to goodranchers.com slash Glenn. You're going to find the best of uh, meats and the fish. You can find them now uh, and get free express shipping. You can make gatherings at the table a common uh, a common uh, uh, thing again. Bringing people back to the table and bringing your family and having some good meat from Good Ranchers. American beef. Now $30 off your order plus free shipping. It is goodranchers.com slash Glenn. Do you remember the ozone layer panic of the 1980s? Oh my gosh. There's a hole in the ozone and we're all going to die. Major Hollywood blockbusters would have apocalyptic plots that would include images of the now ozone depleted earth. Oh my God. In a world with no ozone layer, everyone will die. Yet we're still alive, aren't we? We survived that one strangely, didn't we? Could someone call in and confirm that we did in fact? Well, maybe we're all dead and we're in hell. That would explain, you know, this administration. Uh, But somehow or another, we all magically just stopped talking about the ozone layer. But then there was acid rain. Oh my gosh, acid rain was so bad, we're all gonna die. Then there was global cooling. Now, these all happen, you know, relatively in my childhood. It seems the longer you live, the more of these doomsday climate scenarios you have to endure and all of the movies that go along with it. It is exhausting. But there's a new emergency. In a world without a climate, will we all die? I'll tell you about the new emergency in 60 seconds. In almost all cases, the secret to success in buying or selling a home is having the right real estate agent. But I'm a regular Joe. I mean, I'm a dope. I don't know how to, how do I even interview a real estate agent? Oh, you're gonna sell my home? Yeah. For a lot of money? Yeah. All right then, you're hired. I mean, 
I don't know what I look for in a real estate agent. Well, at least I didn't. And then I started doing some work with the 500 uh, best real estate agents in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And in my frustration of always having a problem selling my house, uh, we started uh, Real Estate Agents I Trust because I knew I couldn't be alone. How do you find somebody, first of all, that is experienced, has the right qualifications, has the right track record, um, and also somebody that I, I know I can say, is this the master bedroom? Without them going, oh my gosh, you're such a bigot. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Find the right real estate agent for you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Oh my gosh. In a world, in a world so united, pushing actual climate policy, it's, peer, it's fear porn. Will we survive? The Great Reset was just, uh, what, two years ago, a conspiracy. Now, uh, about 60% of America uh, believes uh, in the Great Reset, knows what it is, still not enough, but a lot of people are waking up every day. And I've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. They really, the left really has done their homework. This is an ingenious thing. It's pushed by the United Nations and governments all over the world, financial institutions like the Bank of America and City and the IMF. You can't dismiss the fear porn anymore because the global elites have no intention of letting their current crisis go the way of the ozone layer hysteria of the 1980s. And they intend for this one to stick. So what crisis do we have? Oh, my gosh. Have you been outside lately? It's 412 degrees. I actually heard on NPR this morning a report that today... Middle of July, in the summer, in Phoenix. It's going to be 111 degrees today. And I thought, my gosh, that is shocking. Because <laughs> when I lived in Phoenix, years and years and years ago, around this time of the year, is 120 degrees. <laughs> it's not, it's, this is not new, people. This is not new. But every time there is some sort of blip... It's absolute proof. World is on the verge of spontaneously combusting. We're all going to die in a fiery flood. First, we're going to have the fire. Then that'll melt the ice caps. And then it'll flood. It'll put us out. But we'll all be dead. If you live in Arizona, you live in Texas, you're probably laughing right now because why do you have to pay attention to this stuff? We all saw that the government was willing uh, to completely change Everything in the name of COVID. We saw what societies were willing to give up. So what is what is the world planning for the big bad climate monster? Well, Texans are in the middle of a heat wave right now. Today, the heat is supposed to hit 109 with temperatures steady in the low to mid 100s all week and next. Well, this is unprecedented. Well, I mean, Vice News thinks it's unprecedented. I think it's summer in Texas, but this heat is not normal, they wrote. 
Wow, it's not? They go on to conclude this means man-made climate change is an existential threat. And I, I was expecting the next line to be, and that's why we need the Great Reset. But sadly, they held back. But is this out of the ordinary at all? I'm hearing myself come back. Uh, to be blunt, Texans see this again as one of those summers. Heat wave, yes. Something to be cautious about, yes. But not unprecedented. If, you, if you're my age and you live in Texas, you probably remember the heat wave of 1980. It set multiple heat records uh, that have yet to be broken. And this was at the end of global cooling. Uh, the all-time highest temperature, 113 degrees. The longest streak of days with temperatures of at least 142 days. This is in 1980. The longest streak of days with temperatures of at least 90, 79 days. The hottest month based on an average temperature in July. The temperature was 92 for July 1980. Uh, the heat wave then went east. And it cranked temperatures up all over the country to record the highs. And on top of that, a Category 5 hurricane hit at the same time. Now, mm. imagine what the government and the media would have said back then. They would have been freaking out. They would, they would make uh, Chicken Little look like Tom Cruise's Ethan Hawke. I could jump out of that window. Weather events like heat waves can be dangerous. Precautions should be taken. When places like Seattle, at least when I was growing up, nobody had air conditioning. Now, I'm sure they do now, but nobody had it because it's never hot. Hot it, hot in Seattle is like 90. And that's like, that's, that's what? It's 90? I'm afraid I'm going to burst into flames. People are not used to temperatures, but heat waves are normal. I love, I love this. They were talking about, you know, the, uh, the heat wave uh, in England and uh, in Europe. And uh, two main tarmacs are closed. They're closed today. You can't, you can't land a plane in, uh, in uh, England today. Can't do it. Because, quote, the tarmac has melted. Now, I don't know if they're landing their planes on popsicle sticks, but I've never seen a tarmac melt. <laughs> I've seen it get sticky. I've seen it get soft, but I don't think that's melting. Um, I mean, again, maybe they're making it out of, you know, haagen ice cream. I, I don't know. So here's what's happening right now. The climate is showing us that we're all going to die at this rate. The way the temperatures have gone up from, let's just take it from April to today, at this rate, it will be 374 degrees at Christmas. Wow. And there's no stopping it. We've got to stop it. <laughs> so here's what the president uh, is going to do. This, according to the Washington Post today, President Biden is considering declaring a national climate emergency as soon as this week, as he seeks to salvage his environmental agenda in the wake of stalled talks on Capitol Hill. Well, yeah, see, Joe Manchin came out. He, he told the Democrats, 
I will not support uh, the the sprawling economic package uh, that includes uh, billions of dollars to address global warming. I won't do it. Now they're saying, how can one person hold the nation hostage? I mean, how can this one Democrat who thinks he knows better than all the other Democrats? Yeah, because we don't work in a collective. We work as individuals. I love this. I love this. How can the majority be held back? You're not the majority. I mean, you, you're the majority holder in Congress, but you got 50 votes with the vice president. That's what you got. That's what you have. So, yeah, the majority is if one guy flips, yeah, that's the majority. You're not the majority. How can we be held back when we have 20 votes in the Senate? How can that possibly be? Oh, they think they know better. Those 80 people think they know better than the rest of us. So the reason why I want to bring this up is it is it is something that I told you would happen. And I told you, in fact, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to give you what I told you on television uh, about ooh, two months ago, maybe a month ago. The new changes, uh, what's happening with uh, uh, Build Back Better and the Great Reset, the Constitution and Congress, uh, we are supposed to be able to stand directly in the path of fundamental transformations of our country. That's the Constitution is Build Back Better and the Great Reset. These are um, these are game changing and I think murderous ideas. But merely giving the bureaucrats a new mandate to say, uh, no, we're not doing that. The mandate is instead coming from the president by executive action. Now, listen to this string of details. December 2020, just a few weeks before Biden was inaugurated, a group called the Center for Biological Diversity met with Joe Biden. So they met together. They spearheaded a collection of over 700 groups that make up the most radical climate activist in the country. Now, during the Trump presidency, they made their name by launching insane litigation campaigns, boasting 266 frivolous lawsuits. 266 frivolous lawsuits. They tried to paralyze his administration. On their website, they actually brag about their meeting with Biden and say, they say, quote, they presented him with a progressive climate president action plan and model executive orders. Wow, so they wrote executive orders. Huh. Now, these actions uh, they presented to the Biden uh, administration, and they say, quote, 10 essential climate actions President Biden can do without Congress. They did the work for Biden in ahead of the time. They wrote the model executive orders. So when you ask who's running the country, I can tell you it's special interest groups. So let's start at the bottom and see if, if any of this took uh, number 10, rejoining the Paris agreement check. He did it. Number nine, 
Make polluters pay and prosecute polluters. Number eight, advance climate justice. Done. Number seven, launch a just transition. I mean, does that sound like anything that anybody but a radical would say? I give you the radical Joe Biden. He talked about all of that. Prosecuting uh, uh, polluters, advancing climate justice, and launch a just transition. Number six, 100% renewable energy by 2030. That's why, we, that's why your gas is this high. Then this, there's this, the executive order 14008. It mandates, quote, a carbon pollution-free electricity sector no later than 2035. So it's five years later than the climate uh, activists wanted, but it's 13 years from now. Number five, weaponize the Clean Air Act. Biden's been very vocal about this from day one. He's one of the biggest things that pissed them off uh, that Trump stood in the way of. Uh, Number four, shift financial flows from fossil fuels to climate solutions. That's the new economy. That's BlackRock. That's ESG. Been happening for years now, but Biden's executive orders are doing much, much more now. This Biden executive action, all of these, are reshaping our economy. Except it wasn't reported or described like that. This roadmap describes over half a trillion in federal contracts that would only be going to entities that adequately monitor their emissions. So in other words, they have a good ESG score. They acknowledge the federal government is, quote, the world's single largest purchaser of groups and services, and they state in the order why they're doing this, quote, by identifying and mitigating climate climate risk through procurement, the federal government is leading by example. Deploying public procurement policy is a tool to strategically shape markets. So in other words, manipulate the markets. This is being done at the federal level, manipulating you and the market. And nobody's talking about it. And the SEC is taking it even further. Number two, stop fossil Biden's already done that. Every single one of these actions have been accounted for now, except for number one. And what is the number one thing the president must do without Congress? I'll tell you in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about uh, the Tuttle Twins. The Tuttle Twins um, uh, are is a series of books that I think everybody must have. They really have to have these books. You need it in your library for your kids, for your grandkids, uh, for your neighbor kids, for any kid that happens to come by. Hey, kid, psst, come here. I'm going to read a history book to you. It's American History, 1215 to 1776. And I can guarantee you, in today's world, you could say, hey, kid, uh, come on over. I'm going to show pornos to you. Or you could say, I'm going to read this history book to you. You'd get in more trouble in today's society for reading a history book, especially this one, because it's a great storybook. History has the word story in it. And that's what our teachers, our professors, our history books have intentionally left out. 
left us memorizing dates and names that mean nothing. This book is the way to teach history to your kids. I urge you to get it at TuttleTwinsBeck.com. They're having their America's History book launch. You can preview a free sample of the chapter at the website, TuttleTwinsBeck.com. You can see for yourself why it's needed, why it's absolutely crucial in the here and now. It is TuttleTwinsBeck.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So what is the number one thing that they can do? What is the number one thing that this radical climate group said to Joe Biden you have to do? Well, he did one through nine. As the Washington Post reports, he's about to do number one. And I shouldn't say that. Um, He's about to do the number one thing they're calling for, and that is declare a climate emergency. Everything has been set up for this. Um, the WHO uh, has already accelerated their plans to protect human health and combat the climate crisis. It's a health crisis. On its founding day, the organization seeks a reimagining and reprioritization of resources to usher in sustainable well-being societies. Wow. Wow. FEMA is already geared up now and ready for a global climate health crisis. WHO, same thing. But Biden, Biden hasn't done it yet. Number one thing they have to do is declare an emergency. Washington Post says... The president has made it clear the Senate doesn't act to tackle climate crisis and strengthen our domestic clean energy industry. He will. Good, good. Watch for a climate emergency. If he declares that, that is the next COVID. The president has extraordinary power. Uh, All extra constitutional. He He can railroad the Constitution legally because it's a national emergency. The Glenn Beck Program. Can you even imagine what they can do? Um, In case you haven't heard yet, America's farmers have recently announced that they are facing an off-the-charts fertilizer shortage. That fertilizer shortage is happening because, I mean, that's why the Dutch are now uh, marching in the streets, the Dutch farmers, because... They are not allowed to use nitrogen in their uh, fertilizer. Well, that, that allows us to grow 30% more food. You can't, you can't grow the food without fertilizer like that. Anyway, the government, um, I think they're just intent on having all of us beholden to them and standing in food lines. Wouldn't you rather be independent? Wouldn't you rather be able to provide for yourself and especially through any kind of crisis or emergency. I want you to go to preparewithglenn.com. Get uh, ready-to-eat three-month emergency food kits for everybody in your family. You'll get $100, $150 off the regular price for each one. 
Uh, they're very delicious, 2,000 calories a day, and you can keep your independence. Preparewithglenn.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we have um, Congressman Ronnie Jackson on with us. I, I read something uh, that he has said, and he's got a new book coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, but I read something that he, he was talking about on President Biden and, if you know, is, is he mentally stable? And I hate people who play doctor, uh, except he actually is a doctor. In fact, he was the uh, the White House doctor, the president's doctor, for three presidents, and I wanted to get him on the phone. Hi, Ronnie. How are you, sir? I, I think we're working to get him back, Glenn. He just he just dropped off, and uh, oh. we're, we're trying to get him back on. Oh shoot! Yeah. Okay. Well, you could just pretend to be him. Uh, Glenn. Hey, I, Ronnie. How are I, you? I'm really good. Thanks uh, for asking. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's back good, now. Good. You can actually so you... you can actually ask him. Oh, he's back. Yeah, okay. he is back now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Congressman, C- Congressman, welcome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all having me. Okay, I can't hear him now, but I can hear him through something, speaker of some sort. So, uh, Ronnie, um, uh, I wanted to talk to you about President Biden, because you are somebody who has been a presidential doctor for three presidents. You just left. Uh, And do you know Joe Biden? Have you interacted with Joe Biden? Yeah, absolutely. I know Joe Biden. You know, I was at the White House for eight years, so I was around him on a regular basis. I wasn't his physician. I wasn't clinically responsible for him, but I did oversee the medical team that took care of him. Uh, you know, uh, I was a director of the White House Medical Unit, so the doctors and nurses that provided care to the VP side of the house uh, reported to me. Uh, but yeah, I was around him a lot, uh, you know, at events in the White House and in the West Wing, so I, I do know him. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't take it lightly um i didn't like it when people were saying that you know donald trump was uh you know mentally unfit you may have disagreed with him and you may have thought he was erratic uh but you know there was a method to his quote-unquote madness um but he wasn't he wasn't somebody who was losing it in my opinion uh he is i've just talked to him recently he is extremely sharp um, but Joe Biden, you can see the decline in him. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, we are in such a precarious position. Is this guy fit for office? No, he's not fit for office, Glenn. I'll tell you, I was saying that when he was candidate Joe Biden. And you're right. There's a big difference. The far left, the elites in academic medicine, uh, the mainstream media were just coming after me relentlessly about President Trump. But it was because they didn't like the nature of his tweets. They didn't like his style. Uh, they didn't, you know, th- th- it was his personality that they didn't like. He wasn't, he did nothing to, to demonstrate or to raise any concerns that he had any cognitive decline. But we did a, we did a physical exam. We did a cognitive test as well. Uh, and we, as far as I'm concerned, we've set the standard now. That's the precedent. But Joe Biden is a different story. Joe Biden, you can go back, and I've said this before, you can look at 40 years of tape of this man. He's always been prone to gaffes, but these aren't gaffes anymore. Something serious, something seriously no. 
wrong with him now from a cognitive standpoint. He doesn't know where he's at, what he's doing. He's confused. He looks frail. He shuffles when he walks. He slurs his speech. All signs and symptoms of age-related cognitive decline of some sort. And he does not need to be our commander-in-chief and our head of state if he's not really, you know, if he's not 100%. So I know that, for instance, the Secret Service actually controls the president's body and presence if the president says i want to go and i i'm going to stand right here and they disagree with him because of security they can say mr president i'm sorry we've got to move because he belongs to the 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 people and the and the state and constitutionally they can they have to protect him um and so he can be overridden at times is there anything like this with with medical care, is there anybody that is in a position that should say, uh, excuse me, uh, the, this guy is not capable, or is it only his cabinet? No, there's a variety of people. I mean, a lot of people around him have a responsibility to make sure that they're serving the country the way they were sworn to do so first and foremost would be his his physician i know his physician well the guy worked for me for eight years uh, his name is kevin o'connor he's he's not i would say he's not a great physician he stayed with uh, biden for the eight years because he and biden uh, you know became really close friends and and i think that that's the reason that he's there right now is his physician because he's willing to ignore and cover up anything that's going on and help uh, you know push this forward there a lot of these people should have stopped him from becoming the, the, the nominee, first and foremost, was Jill Biden. So I would say Jill Biden, the president's yeah. personal physician, Kevin O'Connor, uh, the president's cabinet, uh, even the vice president. You know, we have the 25th Amendment, which allows the vice president, along with the majority of the president's cabinet, to uh, to come to Congress and remove him from office. I mean, I, I know they've considered that. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure they have, but I don't know that they'll go down that path. But they're all looking for a way to get rid of him now. But they should have never put him in this position. But people were consumed. They were consumed with the thought of going to the White House and working in the West Wing. And that includes Jill Biden being First Lady. And it includes all of the Obama folks. Uh, Obama had a responsibility, in, in my mind, to stop this. But I think that they were looking at the opportunity to put a whole bunch of Obama people back into the West Wing. And, it's, and they've done just that, led by Susan Rice. So I think there were a lot of other people that were looking after their own interest and ignoring the disaster that we have now. I know that President Obama has, uh, has written you a letter and said, you know, shame on you. I, 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 you know, I consider you a friend and, and everything else. Uh, and shame on you for for talking about Joe Biden this way. Yeah, he did. You know, I uh, it happened a couple of years ago, back in February Ronnie, there? twenty. Yeah. yeah, I'm here. Yeah, uh, he did it. He wrote me a letter. It happened a few a couple of years ago, back in February of 2020. And you know, I, I, it's out now because I wrote a book called Holding the Line, and I, I wrote about it in the book. But uh, I just I retweeted something that Rona McDaniel had sent out where she was, uh, had uh, tweeted out a clip of the, of the candidate, Joe Biden, when he was confused about what office he was running for and, and what state he was in. And I was just frustrated right. with the hypocrisy and the double standard. And so I retweeted that with a pretty benign tweet, I thought, on my part, where I just said, hey, does anybody remember the cognitive test that I gave at real Donald Trump, the one that he ate? Looks like somebody else needs a test. Scary. That was the extent of it. It wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. But within 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, I, you know, my phone's like, ding, and I get this email from President Obama 
just completely reading me the right act, you know, just scolding me uh, pretty, pretty harshly. He started off talking about how he, you know, thought of me as a friend and I it was a great position, yada, yada. And then he basically, he, he just broke down to this is, I can't believe the cheap shot you took at Joe Biden. This is beneath you as a, as a Navy admiral. This is beneath you as a position to the president. Uh, this is a direct assault on me and my family and the people that, you know, that you served in, the, in, in my White House. And I hope that you use better judgment in the future. And I'm just really disappointed in you. Uh, it, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. Wow. Please tell me you have that frame hanging over like your fireplace or something. I would <laughs> I I'd wear that as a badge of honor. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do. And I, I, I put it in the book as well. So everyone else can see it as well. But, you know, I didn't know what to do with it, to be honest with you. I, I, I kind of I tell people it, it, it kind of had a weird effect on me. It was kind of a combination between being a little bit upset and angry about receiving it and also having my feelings hurt just a little bit, you know, but I had a pretty close personal relationship with all three of the presidents that I served with Bush, Obama and Trump. And uh, it just, it, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but uh, I thought about it and I was going to, I was going to reply and then I decided I was going to pick the phone up and call him, but I was late for a fundraiser, went to the fundraiser, came out of the fundraiser and I was going to make the phone call. And I thought to myself, before I make this phone call, so I don't say something I regret, I'm going to call somebody who I think might understand kind of the position I'm in. So I called Dan Bongino because Dan and I have been good friends with Dan was at the Secret Service and during the Obama administration. And I knew he would kind of understand the weird situation that I was in. I called him and he said, Ronnie, he said, you don't owe this man a damn thing. You don't owe him anything. He goes, did he lift a single finger to help you when you were getting butchered by the left and by John Tester and all these people with this made-up garbage during your nomination for the VA secretary? One phone call from him, and he knew it was all garbage. He knew it was, that it was all false. He could have picked the phone up, made one phone call, and put all that to bed, but he didn't bother to help you. You don't owe him anything. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? He's absolutely right. I don't know this guy anything. And I just let it go. I didn't, re I didn't reply to the email and I haven't said a word about it until it came out in my book. Uh, it was leaked out of my book, which is coming out uh, a week from today. Uh, and the name of your book again? It's called Holding, Holding the Line. All right. And uh, I'd love to have you back after, you know, give me a chance to read it and, and uh, have you back. Because I'm, I'm fascinated the, you know, somebody who has been with three different presidents and worked in the White House, um, and you used to see, you were the first person, was this with all presidents or just Donald Trump? I was with Trump and first Obama, you know, during the morning. Bush. Yeah, yeah, that was, with, uh, that was with Trump and Obama. During the Bush administration, I was around President Bush a lot. I traveled with him. I went to the ranch with him a lot. Things, I got to know him very well. He was from Texas, and so I was kind of, uh, you know, part of that West Texas crowd in, in the White House. But, you know, I was the junior position during the Bush administration. During the Obama administration and the Trump administration, I was the appointed position to the president, which means that my office was on the ground floor of the White House directly below the president's bedroom. So every morning when the president, whether it was Obama or Trump, came down, I was a, a lot of times the first person they would see in the morning, the last person they would see in the evening. And in particular with President Trump, I would meet him down there in the morning because I didn't really know him very well when he first came on board. I was trying to get to know him a little bit. So that first week, I'd, you know, I'd hear the Secret Service call out. He was on the, on the radio because I have an earpiece in listening to them all the time. I'd hear him call out that he's coming down the elevator. I'd go to the door, stand there, and when he'd come down, I'd say, good morning, Mr. President. And, you know, uh, he, he's up for about three hours before anybody else even shows up at the White House, you know, watching TV and tweeting and talking on the phone. And believe me, by the time he drops down that elevator, he's looking for somebody to talk to. And so he'd see me standing there and he'd be like, Doc, did you see this? Did you see that? And, you know, it'd be 
nothing to do with medical. It, it could be whatever. It could, you know, it could have been, you know, Iran. It could have been Stormy Daniels. It's just whatever, you know. And uh, so I'd say, yes, sir. And we'd start a conversation. He'd go walk with me. So I'd walk him to work. I'd walk him down the West Colonnade, down the Oval Colonnade, right into the back of the Oval Office. And, you know, the National Security Advisor, the CIA briefer, the chief of staff, we were ever to be in the outer Oval waiting to come in. And when I'd finish up, I'd walk out. They'd walk in as they would start. But I got to, I developed a really close personal relationship uh, with, with Trump because of that interaction that I had with him on a regular basis. Um, we're talking to Congressman Ronnie Jackson. He's from uh, Texas. He was the uh, White House physician for three presidents, Bush, uh, Obama, and President Trump, and has a new book out called Holding the Line, where you can read the letter that President Obama uh, sent to Ronnie saying, you know, how dare you say this about uh, Joe Biden? But it con- it is concerning, I think, not just to Republicans. I think it concerns all Americans Um, Any American that is honest can see that there are times that this president has uh, completely checked out Um, and the only real solution is the 25th Amendment. But that has to be done by the vice president. And I think it's two thirds. Did you say two thirds of the cabinet? I believe the 25th Amendment says a majority of the cabinet and the vice president. Okay, good. All right. Uh, Ronnie, thank you so much. We'll talk again. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate it. Let me tell you now about My Patriot Supply. <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry, not My Patriot Supply. Um, our sponsor is uh, LifeLock. There is a lot of stuff uh, that is going on. And uh, as you will see in the next few days, if the president declares a national climate emergency, um, there, life is going to change quickly. Um, and, uh, with what is happening overseas with Russia, uh, I got news this morning and I haven't been able to verify it yet. Um, but there was speculation that, uh, Russia is going to cut Germany off of, of oil and gas. Um, if that happens next week, we're in a completely different scenario in a completely different world. And the one thing that's nice about Russia is they love hackers. Uh, they love cybercrime, especially on Americans. And there are people that work day and night just to get your information so they can take out loans in your name, destroy your information, hold it hostage, whatever. This is why people have LifeLock. It's why I have LifeLock. Uh, they can't catch everything. No one can, but they can monitor things much better than you can on your own. And I think they're the best in the business. And the reason why is not only do they watch everything they can possibly watch, but they recognize that they're not going to catch everything. And if there's something that they miss, they have a team of specialists that work to restore your credit, work to restore your name. Um, and grab onto it as soon as possible. Um, and I don't think anybody else does that. It's LifeLock. I want you to call LifeLock now. Join, save 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com, promo code BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. Miss a day, miss a lot. Visit blazetv.com today and never miss a moment of truth.
Welcome back to the program. Uh, Pat Gray and I were just talking uh, off air about this, uh, what the Washington Post says is coming as early as this week. A, an executive order declaring a climate emergency. Um, that, I don't know if you understand what that means. Do you remember the left freaked out because during COVID, um, President Trump said uh, there's a whole lot of power that the president has that uh, nobody really understands or knows about. And they freaked out because they know what that, they knew that power. Those mm-hmm. in Congress knew that power, that you have the power to pretty much do anything if you declare a national emergency. The president can suspend. He can do whatever he wants. He could, he, he wouldn't take over the oil industry, but he sure the hell will tell them exactly what to do. And they'll have to live with the ramifications, as will we. All of the climate justice stuff, stuff will be in and enforced. Why? Because the tarmacs are melting. How does a tarmac melt? What are you even talking about? Back in just a minute.